0: Welcome to the MS Dev Show episode number 130. This week we talk with Sarah Sexton about Git, bots and more, a regex that only matches itself, how to force a system crash, and I have Toyota Corolla.
1: This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Infragistics, providing tools and solutions to accelerate design, development, insights, and collaboration for any organization.
0: This week we have Sarah Sexton, a technical evangelist working for Microsoft. She engages with user groups and developers to help them find success building on Microsoft and Windows platforms. Her main technical focus is video games and web development. Welcome, Sarah. Thank
2: you for having me. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, and we have uh, you're a second time uh, um, guest of the show. Yeah, which it's good is, to be back. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been almost 100 episodes, but you've been doing so many cool things since the last time we talked to you, so we figured we'd have you back on. Oh, thank you. You too. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Carl, who do we have for the Invergistics Ultimate Winner of the Week? This week, we actually did pick it up off of iTunes,
1: like Woo-hoo. we said we were going to. <laughs> Uh, so the winner this week was B tipton 67 on November 1st. He left us a comment that says, I love listening to the show while I ride my bike into work in the morning. Sure. Sometimes I'm not paying as much attention to traffic as I should, but it's worth it. I learn something every episode and I really enjoy listening to the comments from developers whose work I admire. Well, thank you very much. B tipton, but make sure you pay enough uh, attention to traffic that you can listen to future episodes. And if you would like to get mentioned on the show, uh, like B-Tipton, uh, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. Comment on Facebook, YouTube, or Stitcher. We really like those five-star iTunes reviews.
0: Yeah. So how do you listen on a bike? You must have to have over-the-ear headphones, right? Because I'm guessing like or, the – yeah, the iPhone or, or, ones. Or,
1: or decent in-ear ones. I mean, some well, of there's those – I'm
0: thinking the, the, the wind, the sound of the wind, messing with it. Anyway, i was just heard. curious. There's,
1: there's those new
2: like – Bone induction headphones. (laughs)
0: That sounds painful.
2: (laughs) No, no. Like it just vibrates right into your scalp and only you can hear it.
0: Okay. Have you tried them?
2: No, but I've heard really cool things about them.
0: Okay. I'll have to check those out. I don't I don't have to like drill into my bones.
2: <laughs> no, no. It's, a, it's not invasive. It's not surgery. It's just a special device that like vibrates right next to the bone yeah. next to your ear.
0: Yeah. No, I'm joking around, but I think I've heard of something similar to that. That sounds really interesting. And then I wonder, do they have uh, a microphone as well? I mean, because you have the vibration there at the same place, so.
2: Yeah, they'd have to do that
1: differently, I bet.
0: Yeah, that'd be kind of neat. Uh, be pretty, pretty invisible. Oh, yes. So let's jump into the news. Uh, Circle solves that problem.
1: Yeah. So we've talked a bunch of times on like how do we manage like our families, especially children's internet access? And especially when it comes around to like complicated rule sets, like we want them to not be able to access in the middle of the night so they don't wake up to use it or wake up early to use it. Or maybe we want them to only access it after they've done their chores. Um, So there's a, a review on this uh, device called Circle on one of our friends, Jeff Blankenberg's uh, website. He just released this today, actually. Mm-hmm. And this kind of solves all of those problems. Um, it's it's a device where you can you know, like say, these are these different people, and here are all of the devices they have. And you can give them these complicated rule sets to kind of manage their internet access. And of course, you give yourself and your spouse... No limits whatsoever, and you give your like Roku full access and stuff like that. So that way, I mean, y- you're not like changing the password all the time and having to deal with it on these uh on all your many many devices you have laying around your house. And I just thought this was kind of a cool way of doing it, and really looking forward to other kind of uh, Wi-Fi manufacturers kind of stepping up their game on family management.
0: Yeah. So uh, you know, because the, the the struggle that I've always had, and and this is probably probably doesn't make any sense but i always um worry about updates um so it's like i want i want my kids to be cut off at a certain time because yeah i don't want them playing games in the in the middle of the night although there's pretty harsh consequences for that so i'd like to think that that i've i've sort of solved that problem but you know i guess who knows you know it could be like 3am in the morning or something he's doing something um but the um um, you know, the, it's like, I want th- I want devices to update at night. And I always wonder how they deal with like just being cut off like that. I'm guessing it's so, really not a, as big of a problem as I'm making it out to be.
1: So, you know, the way that I think about this is it, your kids have different usage patterns than you do. Mm-hmm. So if, if you set their bedtime, let's just say that's the only rule that there is, yeah. you know, no internet during bedtime that way they can't sneak out, but chances are your kids go to school. Yeah. So those devices are going to be at home in the house on wifi. Yeah plugged in during the day. So hopefully they'll be updating during
0: those times. Yeah. That's a good point. And then actually one thing that this doesn't solve is if they have a, a cell phone, I mean, they can always bypass the wifi. So all you're going to do is end up with more charges. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah. found that out the hard way. Uh, my, my oldest son, he has a self, he has a cell, has a c- cell phone yeah. and he was at work. He just started his first job. Okay. And in, in the afternoon, he used over six gigs of data. <laughs> On our twelve gig plan,
0: yeah. So what was he? What was he doing? We still can't get
1: a straight answer out of him. I okay. mean, if you look at the usage, it was just like some football game. So it yeah. wasn't something that you think would have taken a ton of data. Yeah, but it just chewed. Just right through.
0: Horribly written. Yeah, it just assumes a fast connection and just burns through your data.
2: What is his job?
0: He works at Subway. <laughs> so it's not always busy.
2: Yeah, and this I'm kind day- of. To- Make heads or tails of that, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which makes it even more <laughs> yeah more suspect. <laughs> what was he doing?
2: I mean, like if you put Pandora on, that chews up tons of data, and you can have it in the background, or you can yeah. put it on the restaurant PA system.
0: You're not going to use six gigs on Pandora, though, right? Maybe if you cranked oh, f- up the quality. I, I don't know. Or like I think Netflix.
2: I, I, yeah, I it know. had
0: to be. It have to be something like Netflix for sure.
2: Yeah. Okay. I, mm. I know. I was a terrible kid. Um, I was up <laughs> at midnight. On Neopets, trying to get those like new items that come out on midnight as the day shifts over, and my yeah. parents, uh, they mo- had to move my computer from my bedroom out into the middle of the living room to stop me from getting <laughs> on my computer at midnight.
0: <laughs> nice, yeah, it's Clash uh, Clash Royale now with my uh, with my oldest son, uh, which doesn't use a lot of data, but. Um you know, it's one of these things where you get like a free chest every, I think it's every three hours, you know, so you got to check to get that because you got to get the, the, you know, all the cards or whatever. So,
2: oh, okay. For a second there, I thought you were saying that inside your house was like Battle Royale, Battle <laughs> yeah. <with> the internet. <laughs> not the name of a game.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's uh it's, it's a real game. I wouldn't know anything about it, so <laughs> no, I haven't installed.
1: <laughs> okay, he, he
0: forced me to play it, and I really hate it because I try to avoid games like this. But then he's like, "No, no, Dad, like you know, be a good dad and play this game with me." <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah, and now now it's all over. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next story. <laughs> I have Toyota Toyota Corolla. <laughs> Do you, Jason? <laughs> I don't, but <laughs> this is this is a an hilarious title. So what's what's the deal here?
1: so um this this guy uh he's uh affiliated with the curl project, yeah, and curl is just you know a huge uh common way to pull data off the internet yeah and and cars, car manufacturers, obviously, as they've used these open source technologies, curl is one that just gets included. Uh, it so happens that his email address is in the curl code, right and for I think some it reason, in the license it, agreement, right? And the license agreement. Yep. And it just so happens that there's there's instances where these car manufacturers, you know, something happens and they, you can see his email address.
0: Right. <laughs> so he gets
1: all these emails saying like, hello, sir, I have Avalon 2016. Regarding the audio player, why is there a delay between audio and video when I connect the Bluetooth? How do collect, I
0: fix collect, this? Connect, throw Bluetooth and how to fix yeah. it. Yeah. I love this next one though. Hello, I am using in a new Ford Mondeo the navigation system
1: <laughs> with SD card, you yeah. know, serial number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want to add to the card some POIs. Can can you help me do it? Oh man, and then I have a Toyota Corolla with multimedia system spelled in a very oh. interesting way. Media. Yeah yeah multimedia multimedia which i understand like it's you know english i'm guessing is not their their first language but the fact that you know they're emailing some random person is hilarious um i have a story on this too because i have a website that does package tracking and i have a link on there to um uh what the heck is it what is the feedback site i'm totally blanking user voice user voice yeah i have a link to a user voice site for people to like suggest features. nobody ever suggests features it's always like where the hell is my package? (laughs) I mean, I ordered this three weeks ago and it hasn't arrived and I'm like, Oh, okay. I just ignore all of them, but I mean, there's just tons of them out. You could actually, maybe we'll include a link to that in the show notes because it's pretty hilarious. Okay. Yeah. So don't just randomly email somebody just because you see their website or their, uh, their email address. Okay. I second that. Yeah. Uh, redacted bypasses, ad blockers with web sockets.
1: So if you go to the, uh, uh, the show notes to get this. This is uh, not safe for work. Link uh, just because of uh, who is putting you know this on the, the, <laughs> the topic website that's doing this. Yes, yeah, but but it's really interesting. You know, this is this is a topic where we're we're talking about advertisers and ad blockers. So uh, this guy who wrote this says that he was looking in the Chrome uh, Web Tools Kit because um, he wanted to. Analyze web traffic. Mm-hmm. And in the web request APIs for extensions, uh, you can't access sockets. So if you can't access WebSockets, you can't block WebSockets. Mm-hmm. So there is uh, a, a pornography site that uh, serves ads. And one of the things that's related to this is if you're making a, a an ad blocker, um, you can only block the traffic that you have programmatic access to. Mm-hmm. And this website, what it's doing is it detects if you're using an ad blocker and then serves you the ads anyways, via web sockets, because they currently can't be blocked. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, interesting in the arms race that there are between advertisers and ad
0: blockers. Yeah. So, so explain this to me and, and I apologize because I, you know, I didn't give you a heads up on this question, but um, my understanding is a first party ads are always going to get past ad block unless somebody has like added that rule or if it has like the word ad in it, for example. But if, if, if a first-party site, the site that you're visiting, you know, sends you an image that's like, you know, cool image dot jpeg from their site over HTTPS, I mean, adblock is is going to have no hope of blocking that anyway.
1: Exactly, but the thing is, this uh, the site uh, so it has is the, oh, its own third party. So it is third party through oh. its own parent
0: network. Ah, okay, okay. I gotcha. So, so, I mean,
1: the pro- the problem is you don't want to have to write the, inf- you know, the infrastructure to host all third party ads in a first party way.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. That seems like uh, sites would start doing that, though. I mean, we do that. Like we have one oh, well, ad on our site and we just we just host it first party. It's just a picture and a link. Um, but we don't. We don't uh, really I thought have you were going to say scale. that.
1: I thought you were going to say all of our content was one ad. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's just all one big ad um interesting though so yeah that's it's like an arms race now of like how can we how can we bypass the blockers so here yeah. we go Isn't that
2: how it always goes
0: yeah yeah i don't know i just i hate them using up my bandwidth for this um you know any kind of any kind of ads um so i always struggle with this because it's like you you want you want the the sites that you go to 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 make money yeah um you know, and it, it might be it it it's almost like solved by like a micro payment system. Like this is worth ten cents of value to me, but you know, no none of those systems have really taken off. So yeah, um, that whole situation is tough. Like I have ad block, I I always keep ad block on, and I feel bad about it. Um, I do too. Until I turn it off, and then I don't feel bad about it anymore because it's it's <laughs> like oh my god, this is it's just it's it's ridiculous. Like they've advertisers have kind of done this to themselves. So I don't know. I guess we'll see where we where we end up. Anything else you want to mention on that, Carl? No, okay. web fonts, boy, I don't know, which apparently is some reference to a show that uh, that I haven't seen.
2: Well, I think it's a West Wing reference okay. because like the president in the West Wing show is meeting with a potential candidate that he's running up against it's it's democrat versus republican okay. and the republican that he's meeting with the the only words he has to sympathize with a terrible crime that happened to someone close to the democratic president was crime boy i don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> i didn't know you were uh, so good at impersonations too oh thank you <laughs> no. okay so yeah we, we didn't realize that connection that's interesting so what's what's this all about carl
1: so if you're using web fonts on your site, there's there's a few different things that can happen. Um, if they take a while to load, uh, in best case scenario, you can get what's called the flash of unstyled content, where you, you'll see all the letters that make up your content. I think that can but happen they, on our site. It does happen on our site. Yep. And I don't like it, but we have other issues that are bigger on our site anyways. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's for sure.
1: <laughs> yep, that's for sure. And you know, so fixing that isn't a huge problem because you can at least see the content. So... What's the worst thing that can happen is some browsers, if they don't have the web font, they'll render all your text in an invisible link,
0: <laughs> which means
1: that you don't get to see it. And if you're on you know, like a cell phone connection or you have, and you have really spotty reception, you can get some really slow uh, load times and it could be like eight, maybe even 30 seconds before you get to see the content. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really frustrating this author here as a whole. and. It's it's something that I hadn't really seen a whole lot of until she pointed it out, mm-hmm. and then I'm like, yeah, this is actually a big problem. We as authors of the web need to make sure that this content is
0: accessible to all sorts of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our our site is just terrible. Like, uh. just so everybody's aware, um, yes, on, yes, on mobile, yes, we, we know about it. Yes, we know our site does not work correctly on mobile. We don't know when we broke it. Uh, Brandon Martinez, uh, yeah, it blame. wasn't him. Uh, no, it was all his fault. No, he, he created the site and and it worked fine. And then something that. I don't know. I don't know which one of it is. I don't even, I can't even put like odds on it, but uh, one of us broke it. <laughs> and uh, yes, we are, we are completely aware. So we've gotten a ton of uh, email on that. So we're sorry. If anybody knows what the problem is, <laughs> uh, it's all hosted on GitHub. So send over a pull request and uh, <laughs> that would probably be the easiest way to win a, uh, an infragistics license. Let's put it that way.
2: <laughs> are you it, using, you- are you using that one line of code that makes your website mobile friendly?
0: No,
1: it, oh, we have a completely scale one? custom site.
2: Let me let me just like really quickly pull it up. It's something to do with the I th- I the view. Yeah. The, so the so while scale. you
1: look at that, we'll talk about the last news item here. <laughs> Go ahead, Carl. I'm just so source here. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the regex that matches only itself. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, looking up Stack Exchange uh, a while ago, and they have this uh, section in there called programming puzzles and code golf, and somebody. Uh, Had posted a question, is it possible to write a regex that matches only itself, including, you know, all the crazy characters you could possibly have? It has to 100% match itself and only itself. Mm -hmm. And somebody
0: did it in 40 characters. Yeah. So originally they did it in like a couple hundred, right? And then. Yeah. Yeah. So it was original version, 188 bytes. Then it was, let's see, or 210 was another iteration. Um, Whoa, man. Some of these are even expanded out. But yeah, they got it yeah. done much smaller for, yeah, 44 bytes and it only matches itself. So, so useful. I, how how do these people think like this? <laughs> I'm
1: just saying, I mean, we're not worthy. Is...
0: We're not worthy.
1: <laughs> Either that or they just don't do anything else on their weekends. I don't
0: yeah. know. Or they just, but... it's just regex.
2: <laughs> uh, I found what I was looking for, by the
0: way. Yeah, it's on right. our site. Oh, okay. I think I know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah. It, it just says like meta name equals viewport content equals the width of the device. And the initial scale is one.
0: Yeah. I, it, it, the reason I knew exactly what you were looking for, I just saw one of your presentations where you mentioned that, that, and you called it like that, the same thing, that magic line of code for mobile. (laughs) So that's how I knew exactly what you were, what you were talking about. Cause I got such a kick out of that, but yeah, it's in there. There's something about our, our, our width, where everything it decides to render everything that it would normally on the desktop page, but it just smashes it the whole way to the left. Um, so I don't know. We have, you know, we're definitely not, uh, we're not at the the level of of Brandon Martinez. So
2: well, you've got lots of
0: experts who can hopefully help you. Yeah, yeah. We should just have like every guest make like one, add one feature to the site. (laughs) You know, so like when we had like Azure search, we could have them add that feature. And then, uh, and then we'd have like the greatest site on the internet. (laughs) Oh, okay. So anyway, yeah, we had you on a while ago. We were talking about uh, Node.js, and I think we'll we'll talk probably a little bit about Node. But what we wanted to do is we we kind of have a, a couple different topics, so we'll and we'll kind of see where the where the conversation conversation takes us. But I know you've done some uh, some presentations on on Git, um, G I T, Git, and uh, so we kind of wanted to to start the conversation there because I always feel. Git is one of those things where, um, like today I had to, I had to help somebody with Git, uh, believe it or not. And, um, it's one of those things where I do it just infrequently enough that that I always feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, so you know, you have to help me figure out how to handle that problem. That's probably probably all technology, but I'm but here it, to help. Yeah, but anyway, so you've done a lot of work around get. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, the people that you talk to, like what what level do you think most users are at? Are they are they the the other people have the same problem I have, or, oh, or is yes. everybody an expert and I'm just the idiot? No
2: no everybody is where you are at and of course uh, disclaimer uh, about use of the word everybody and all users you know clearly we are using blanket generalizations and <laughs> right. most people don't even know what it is mm-hmm. but uh yeah all, including my co-workers a lot of them are not as familiar with it and including developers i talk to uh, i hear very often like oh, I hate the command line interface and I just hate typing in the command line. Um, I hate doing that. So get, I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. So uh, I, I hear a lot of people who are either at the beginner phase or they are intentionally avoiding
0: it. So what do you think their background is? If they're like, oh, the command line, you know, I don't like the command line. Did they start from like, You know, sorry for the swearing, but like source safe or something like that?
2: (laughs) I honestly have no idea because if they're extremely uh, old school, then they should be very familiar with the command line. So I don't know where they're coming from. Where they, they feel privileged enough to use a graphic user interface and entitled to the point where they don't deserve to subjugate themselves to a command line tool. <laughs>
0: wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that was that was an awesome statement there. <laughs> yeah, but, that's, but at the same time. Go ahead, Kyle. At the
1: same time, there, there are really good uh GUI style Git applications. Yeah. I mean yeah. you don't you don't have to uh, subjugate yourself to the CLI if you don't want to. Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. That's very true. You just have to download them. Uh, like there's SourceTree and there's Git for Desktop. Uh, there's Perforce, Bitbucket, GitHub. Those are all online ones. Uh, <laughs> and, all and my men. favorite,
1: just for its name, is Git Kraken.
2: Yeah, I haven't heard. Wait, no, I have heard of it, like like yeah. Kraken with the tentacles. Yes, <laughs> yeah,
0: which I think. So we we tried it. I think when it was in beta, Carl, but it's it's. Uh, I think it's available yeah. now, so anybody can just go download it.
2: And um, I think there was another one that had either fire or like live wire in the name. Okay, that
1: I can't remember. <laughs> so there's yeah. plenty
0: to choose from. Yeah, if 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 that's what you want to do. So the the um, I'm I'm just thinking like I I wonder if people you know, for their, for their last source control, they were using something like um, subversion or something. And that's, that's probably what kind of got them stuck, but it had, you know, it had a night, nice, there was a nice GUI that I think a lot of people use. So I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if that's kind of how people, people got locked into that. And then they've yeah. just been sort of riding that up. And and now that's why there's that disconnect.
2: That's very likely. Uh, that's what I learned in school was subversion tortoise SVN. And we used Bitbucket mm-hmm. that had the, the branching tree user interface on it.
1: Okay. So what are ways that we can do to get from you know, a, a noob-level experience to somebody who's uh, more wizard-like with the CLI?
2: I owe all of my success to jlord.us slash get it G-I-T dash I-T. <laughs> and if you want me to post a link to that in our chat window here, I could do that.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, I missed that.
2: <laughs> yeah, so oh,
0: there it is. Okay, cool. It's it's
2: called the Get It Guide, and this is how I this is where I owe all of my success to going from noob to wizard. And I, I'm not a very high level wizard, but this is like a self paced self help guide, and it's step by step instructions for each of the challenges in a Get It Workshop. Uh, it's written in English and also Chinese, and it actually took me forever to figure out that J Lord was a woman. Her name is Jessica. And okay. that makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: So there are 11 challenges. It starts with installing and configuring Git to your username. Yeah, It tells you how to create your first local repository on your machine, tells you how to uh, check your status and commit changes for the first time. It also introduces you to using a GitHub account. It explains the difference between Git on your local machine and GitHub which is like a hub of users all using git together in a magical paradise
0: land. I like how she calls it GitHubin.
2: <laughs> yes, GitHubin. <laughs> and uh, it teaches you how to connect your local repository to the remote ones on github.com in very user-friendly, easy to understand language. And then it starts getting to the the advanced techniques that always mess people up and get them in trouble such as forking and cloning open source repositories, creating branches and uh, even merging branches and and creating pull requests and deleting branches, so it starts it walks you through the very beginning uh, of whatever user needs to know to how to avoid pitfalls in the GitHub workflow.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking that the probably the best way for me to learn this would actually be to write one of these tutorials. but then I was thinking like you've done presentations on this, so that's that's probably your secret, right? It's like learn by teaching
2: uh, I learn by doing yeah. and then teaching. yeah. So I, I strongly recommend you guys walk through this um, from start to finish, and it's very good about helping you be successful because it's easy to do something wrong, and then you'll get like a, a red error message that says, try again, and you have to go back and tweak whatever you need to fix, and then it'll send you another message in green. So it's kind of foolproof. It's, it's got a catch-all for every mistake that could go wrong.
0: Okay. And then um, what about workflows like GitFlow? Does that help people understand Git or, or are there better tools? What do you, sure, what do you think sure.
2: That? I think so. I think so. Uh, I I believe that has a very nice visual component too, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, I, I'm a visual learner, so I'm sure I used that as well while yeah. I was learning.
1: Yeah, cool. So, what is a branching strategy when we're talking about, you know, Git in particular and source control in general? And why should not okay. we learn that?
2: Well, let me let me hold up my little my little pamphlet here. Can okay. Can you read that? Can you read that? We uh, can. It says, yep, yep,
0: we can see that. Yep. Create a branch. What's the small tech say? Create a branch in your project where you can safely experiment and make changes.
2: So that's the benefit of making a branch. It's like opening up your own little playhouse. Then the next step is open a pull request. What's that small tech say?
0: Use a pull request to get feedback on your changes from people down the hall ten or 10 time zones away.
2: Uh, So the pull request is not to be confused with a pull. Um, A pull is just pulling down what other people have done. Yeah. So you can get up to date. A pull request is sort of like, can you look and see what I've done and compare it with the rest of the project to make sure it's okay to add?
0: Yeah, it's always confusing to people, right? Because it's like, no, no, that seems like a push request. But, but really what you're doing is you're requesting that the other person do a pull from you. And that's why it's called a pull request.
2: And it does get very confusing. <laughs> and the uh the last step, merge and deploy. What's that small text?
0: Merge your changes into your master branch and deploy your code. So, so it's just that simple.
2: Does that answer your question about what is a branching <laughs> strategy?
0: I I think that's I think that's part of it. So uh, yeah, part of it was like how you know, how large of a change is this? What do I want to do with it? Oh uh, but then the so that that's sort of answered by the pamphlet there. I think what he was getting at too was like, um, I don't know. You have a better way of explaining it, Carl, like some of the different I, strategies.
2: I, I, th- I think I'm starting to remember like some token of wisdom I heard once upon a time of like <laughs> a, a branch is for, I don't know, a small change and a, a fork is for a big change, yeah. but I
0: can't remember. Yeah. So should I have, I mean, should I end up with like 20 branches every day or is that a bad thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, let, let's just say,
1: you know, let's just say we're doing, you know, an agile based teamwork, you know, yeah. you know, how how should should my team have an agile branch and everybody off of there or a sprint branch and everybody off of there has their own features. Does each of those a branch Uh, you know, how, how crazy do you get sometimes when you decide to do it? Do you, how, how long running should they be? I mean, there's a lot of uh, rules and guidance that are out there, but none of them are, you know, dead fast rules.
2: So I think that that, is probably because every team is different. And I actually work solo more often than I work on a team. Mm. So I'm not really the best person to ask about team dynamics when I don't have a team that I'm (laughs) working with. Uh, So I've I've got my little pamphlets here, and that's kind of the best I have along with the internet. But I, I remember in school when I was doing group projects and we had one version control wizard and the rest of us were noobs. <laughs> and anytime we couldn't merge our branch, we, uh, we called them like de woos because th- there was the straight path. And then yeah. there was like the, a branch that would go off <laughs> and like, When it turned into trouble, we just called it. We had a whoop-de-woo over here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious.
2: And he would have to sit down with us and go through everything and do the pulling and the pushing and the synchronizing and the committing and the adding and the deleting. And Mm. uh, we were just like shaking and quivering with fear that we were going to ruin the entire project. And he was like, calm down. It's going to be okay. We can always roll back if we need to, but we got to merge branches over here and get back on the straight path again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of, um, you know, like book authors using Git and like just a lot of under other industries now just using, you know, any kind of source control because of that, that safety. It's like what, what happened? And then maybe even, um, you know, like kind of auto commit. If I was an author, I would probably set up a repo and I, well, if I knew how to do that, I guess, um, cause I, <laughs> I, w- I, w- I wouldn't necessarily be a developer anymore, but I'd probably have the thing like auto commit like every five minutes or something, um, so that I had that, uh, that history. That way, there's probably other ways to do it, but that would be kind of a neat way of doing it. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, like what what command? Like, I know I know like three Git commands, and then I have to look up every other command. What command should I learn at, that I don't know that I don't already know? Like beyond yeah, the Yeah,
2: I have a Git cheat sheet, so you can probably just do an internet search for Git cheat sheet, and you'll mm-hmm. find what I found. But um, I actually have a printout, and it's got all of the Great uh all the great commands for configuring and creating repositories and making changes. Mm-hmm. So like you'll probably find the same one I found. Yeah. But um walking through the Git it guide will teach you um git init, which is initializing a new yep. repository. Git cloning is one you need to know, uh which downloads a project and its entire version history, so you can just Take a project somebody else did and pull it into your computer. And the usual Git workflow, which is Git status to check check on the status of where your project is. You need to see if you're on a clean working branch mm. with nothing new to commit or if you've actually got changes. Uh, Git diff shows you the differences and which file differences are not yet staged. Git add snapshots the file in preparation for versioning, which I guess in English means Git add adds the files that you have made changes to and it gets ready to publish them right and then git commit dash m is uh like a snapshot that gets recorded to permanently be added to your version history so you have to add your commit message to it mm-hmm. those are those are the 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 go-tos oh and of course the uh, the classic one with the origin in it like like oh re- get like a remote git, ad or git push Origin Master. Yep.
0: Yeah. I just yeah. We were. Uh, I was just helping somebody today, and the, and that's what we we're trying to do. We we're trying to push to, to Azure. So yeah, we we added Azure as a remote, and then we were able to push the the, the source code uh, to it.
1: Infragistics, ultimate UX and UI tools and enterprise mobility solutions. Share Plus and Report Plus enable high performance apps on any device, faster data insights, simplified collaboration, and market leading security all backed by comprehensive support. With Infragistic's Ultimate UX and UI Development Toolkit, you can ensure mission-critical applications delivering a superior user experience on the desktop, web, and native device environments for iOS and Android. With the latest BI tools, wow your users with dashboards providing the data insights that they need when and where they need it, all at a low total cost of ownership. Try it today. Download a free trial at Infragistics.com and follow them for the latest updates in UX and UI development, reporting and collaboration at Infragistics on Twitter. And remember, each week, if we pick your comment on the show, you will get a free copy of Infragistics Ultimate UX and UI toolset.
0: So in in Gitland, this happens to me more than what i'd care to admit but what what happens if i get into trouble like what what can i do because i have this horrible yeah when i when i have a whoopty woo because i what ends up happening uh, you know i have this habit and i I think xkcd um basically told me that everybody does the same thing they like make a like a complete copy of the repo just to so they can always roll back that way um but like do you ever get into trouble or 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 have you learned your way around that then like how do i get out of trouble
2: it's I haven't found any magic silver bullets. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's tough. And sometimes I do get into trouble or my coworkers or teammates will get into trouble. And a lot of the times it, you can fix it by taking a deep breath and don't panic Mm -hmm. and just check your error messages and make sure that it's not an error that's preventing you from doing what you want to do. And, uh, I've been working with uh, Visual Studio Team Services, VSTS, as our online repository. And um, sometimes it'll say, like, you can't pull because you have unstaged changes. Right. You need to either commit your changes or undo them. Or you can't sync until you pull uh, the, the changes down. So, like, y- if you follow the instructions to prevent the error messages from happening, you just mm-hmm. take a deep breath and try to triage it that way. That can help. But if if you are just so lost, you have absolutely no idea where where to even begin. Call Sarah at
0: five five five.
2: Sometimes you just have to cut your losses and start fresh from when you know it was yeah. working.
0: Okay. Um, I and think, sometimes I think you, you had a. To- I think you had a good tip in there too. I mean, um, if if it's a public project, right, you can use GitHub for free. Mm-hmm. Um, they charge for private repositories. Um, I don't. I don't think you'd be in you know in rough shape if you paid for GitHub uh, if you wanted to use private repositories. But an alternative would be uh, VSTS, uh, Visual Studio Team Services. So which is which is pretty incredible these days um but it gives you free unlimited private repositories and it has a build system and it has you know all this these workflow type of things i mean it's it's pretty impressive what it uh what that gives you so i guess i would i would look at that i'm actually in the process of moving a lot of stuff over and the Mm -hmm. nice thing is whenever you're using something like vsts if you if you're using git you know i guess git is sort of preferred preferred in vsts um You take, you pulled out, you know, you have your source code that you pulled on from wherever and then you end up just pushing it to VSTS and, and because Git is distributed, um, it just, it, you know, it, boom, all of your code and all of your history is there. It's like the easiest migration, um, ever. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I've been working on with some of my private projects.
2: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And And sometimes sometimes you have to uh, get into the nitty gritty of doing manual merges where you just like compare two versions of code line by line. Yeah. Yep.
1: yeah, I posted a link into the chat room. Uh, we've mentioned this before. So if you want to, if you are in trouble uh, with something you didn't get, uh, we'll have a link that's called Whoops, I'm in Trouble. Uh, it's got some profanity on there. So we'll, we'll probably mark that as uh, not safe for work as well. But, it, you know, if, if you get yourself into a certain situation, it describes that situation and kind of either how to revert or how to get back to where you
0: where you were intending. Yep. nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, there's just And I, a I've used of that several there. times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's good.
2: I'll have to keep that one in mind.
0: Yeah.
1: So uh, we mentioned that we can use Git to deploy to Azure. Is that something that you've done, Sarah?
2: Oh, so many times. <laughs> yeah. That's the easy part. So, so, so many times. I've even blogged about it.
0: Okay. So what are some of the different ways so, to do that?
2: Well, the the easy way now is just to go to portal.azure.com and log into your Azure portal. and. Uh, you you probably are using a web app mm-hmm. in most cases. If you're making a website using Git, I suppose there's other other ways too. But um, whatever sort of um, app service, like web app or mobile app, um, in the web portal, if you go to settings and you look for uh, development source or deployment source, uh, excuse me, if you look for the words deployment source, Mm -hmm. something like that in your Azure portal under settings or publishing, then you can click on that and it'll give you the deployment source option for many, many different uh, like Git, local Git, GitHub and Dropbox or uh, a bunch of other options. And you just do it through the Azure portal and uh, I've, got, I've got a blog post that I can link you to about okay. building building a Node.js app and publishing it to Azure. It's about three clicks and then it's done.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing how easy it was. That's what I was walking somebody through today. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I have my file. Basically, he had a website and it was index.js. I had him rename it to server.js, which is actually not even necessary, but that was kind of the easy path forward. And then, uh, yeah, swap in a port. And then he he created he didn't want the the source code on GitHub I think GitHub is the easier option but um, created a repository in Azure pushed to it and boom the website was deployed like it's it's just it's just crazy how how easy that whole that whole process is you had a presentation I think it was something around deploying in in like thirty minutes yeah. And and I was like, "Why did it take you so long?" But you were actually writing like all of the code, so um, it was yeah, no, it was yeah. <laughs>
2: building an app from scratch and deploying to Azure yeah. in less than thirty minutes. Yeah,
0: so that that was that was impressive. Um, being Thank able to you. do all of that, yeah, it's really cool, and it shows how easy it is. And I always tell people, like, it's not about how easy it is; it's like this. This is it's just it's this easy to get started, so that you can start, you know, building value in your application. And I think that's why that's really cool. Yeah,
2: there's a little, a little, um, I guess note that I should add about publishing a Node.js app Mm -hmm. to Azure. And that's, you reminded me when you said you changed the name to server.js. And if you have a file in a Node.js project that has a certain name, such as app.js, index.js, or server.js, when you publish it to Azure for continuous deployment and continuous integration, Azure will automatically recognize that as your app JS, um, like your main application launching point that's built in Node.JS. Mm-hmm. So it will automatically search your package.json file for your dependencies and pull those in. So yeah. when, when you're putting something on Azure, make sure that your package.json has all the dependencies you're going to need uh, because Azure is automatically going to pull those in. And if you don't have all the ones you need, you, it might trip you up.
0: Yeah. That, which is, which is really cool how it does that. And then I I know that you've been doing a lot of Node.js stuff recently. So I'm just kind of curious, like what, what made you gravitate toward, toward Node? What, why the, why the interest?
2: Yeah, it was probably my work in chat bots, which Mm -hmm. you can build on Microsoft bot framework and you can build them in Uh, Node.js or C sharp. Mm -hmm. And since I've already, I already did a lot of work in Node, I found it easier to build bots Using Node.js because I could just I could just breeze through Visual Studio Code, have a really lightweight and fast workflow instead of um, instead of like building a, an enterprise bot that has more moving parts. I might want to use C sharp and Visual Studio to build that. Most of the time, I'm just playing around with it, trying to build something fast and get it out to the public fast. So yeah. that's why I, I like using Node.js because I already have all the tools installed and I can just use GitHub, continuously deploy it, get it straight up into a website really quickly and use the, the NPM dependencies.
1: So what kind of things are you using uh, bots for these days?
2: I want to show you guys the bot I built most recently. I had a lot of fun with it. It's called Tracery Bot. I just put a link to it in the chat okay. or you can visit tracerybot.azurewebsites.net. That's T-R-A-C-E-R-Y, B-O-T.
1: And it'll be in the show notes.
2: And Tracery Bot is a corporate jargon random generator.
0: <laughs> I like this. Efficiently dominate cross-edge methodologies via cross-platform methodologies.
2: I, That's true. D- is that really what it said?
0: <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then seamlessly leverage win-win methodologies within agile scenarios.
2: I got seamlessly synergize self sustaining cloud solutions within disruptive metrics.
0: (laughs) This would be a fun one to just add into like Microsoft Teams or or like Slack or something, so that somebody you know basically as a as a trigger uh, a certain question will trigger it. Like you know, what is our strategy? And then it would, (laughs) what is our strategy? And it would say. In response, collaboratively engage agile frameworks for robust robust growth strategies. Yes. <laughs> and then and then act like, you know, you don't understand what that means? What what how more obvious could I make it? Yes. <laughs> well, that's pretty yeah. cool.
2: Um, so I built this using tracery.js, which is a really fun JavaScript library, mm-hmm. and I talk all about it on uh, the GitHub repository where I have this hosted. Um, I can also post that in the link. It'll be at like github.com slash sarah tracerybot, I believe. And so I use tracery.js, and I also found a website for generating lorem ipsum placeholder text, but it's called corporate ipsum.
0: Okay. I was just looking at this tracery.js. This is pretty cool. So this is for like randomly or creating random stories.
2: Yes. Yes. That's what tracery.js is, uh, is good for. It was invented by Kate Compton. And her story is that she wanted to avoid doing a school assignment. About like <laughs> r- writing, like I don't know, writing some kind of video game story plot lines. Yeah. So she invented this JavaScript like random text generation tool, and where she could click a button uh, that would randomly <laughs> roll the dice on something and spit out a terrible plot for a video game or like a yeah, role play.
0: Yeah. Yuma traveled with her pet unicorn. Yuma was never wistful for the unicorn was always too indignant. <laughs> 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 so so this is pretty cool. So we we talked about Git, which allows you to. Uh, you know, among other things, push sites to Azure. And one of those sites for Azure could be the backend for a bot, you know, so all these things sort of hook together. Um, Yeah. It, so I'm just kind of curious too, like what, what was your experience building the bot? Is it pretty easy? Was it pretty easy to get started?
2: It was pretty easy to get started and I've documented my journey in the form of three blog posts on AKA.ms slash Sarah Sexton. You can mm. find parts one, two, and three. And Um, I say it was pretty easy because I've done them a lot, but I I definitely don't want to dissuade anybody who has trouble building bots for the first time because they are complicated uh, machines because you're trying to build artificial intelligence sort of from the ground up. Yeah. And Microsoft bot framework makes that so that you aren't starting from scratch. And, like, they help you along the way. But uh, just just trying to visualize the conversation flow between yeah. you and a bot can be sort of difficult to wrap your head around. Right. So, yeah, do feel free to check out all my blog posts to see, uh, like, how I went through creating a Hello World bot to actually making it say something in response. And then to, um, like, creating more, like, multiple choice, choose-your-own-adventure style text-based options and upcoming blog post number four that's not published yet is going to be adding natural language understanding so that instead of having to type capital Y E S period or Mm. else your bot says, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Right. You, you could say, you could say something like, yeah,
0: yo, my bot.
2: Yup. Yo, sup. (laughs) And, And, It'll it'll still recognize it because it'll have intent recognition and natural language mm-hmm. understanding. So anything that vaguely sounds like an affirmative answer, it can interpret as
0: yes. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. And then I'm just kind of curious, like if you've seen like some really good bot applications recently.
2: There are definitely some really cool bot applications. Uh, I, I got to give a shout out to the, the pizza bot where you can order yourself a pizza, and this was displayed at the Build conference in, in partnership with Domino's. So, like, you could enter in your credit card, and that means it has to be a safe and secure bot. It probably uses SSL and HTTPS, but it saves your credit card, and you you can sort of customize this bot to be to the point where you say, "Hey, bot, the usual," and it'll okay. it'll know your usual once you've told it that. So, you can send bots uh, messages in Slack or Skype, or if you hook it up with Twilio, you can send SMS text messages. You can hook it up to Facebook and send Facebook messages. So I love bots that make my life easier. So I've seen food ordering bots. I've seen Uber ordering bots. I've seen bots that can track, like, track the numbers of maybe like a tracking number or a production number in, in a factory. Mm-hmm. So you can automatically um, like make sure that everything's going oh, well cool. in your enterprise. I've seen bots. That'd be, that'd
0: be a good bot, you know, to be able to query like the stat, even like um, mm-hmm. that'd be good for like order status and, and things yes, like that. Yeah.
2: Very much so because a lot of customers, you could free up your customer service staff from answering the phones to help people with that problem but they could just chat with a bot. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I think GitHub invented Hubot that they mm. use to deploy changes to their website.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah we've abused that in the yeah. past. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what was that? We've thoroughly abused Hubot in the past. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Yeah. Yeah, we we tried. I think we even had him controlling the lights at one point. Right, Carl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. we had him integrated in with our… Uh, the lighting our- controller. <laughs> Like, yeah. like literally, like the lights in the office, we were, we could turn them on and off. So,
2: and uh, my my friend Nick Landry invented a Hololens bot. Okay, so you can use he used Cortana and like speech to text and text to speech, so that you could see the captions in front of you. Okay, Well you, you put the Hololens on your head, and then like you can see text down below that says what the bot is saying to you. And he he hooked it up to his Maker Show bot, so you could say, "Hey bot, um, how can I learn?" About the Raspberry Pi, mm-hmm. and the bot is programmed to tell you about some website where you can go to learn about the Raspberry Pi. And he called it the Maker Show bot, and he got it working on a Hololens, which is awesome because yeah. all you need is like that web API key.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so, anything else you wanted to mention? Well, we got you here.
2: Uh, I'm always doing my thing here in Chicago, where I'm trying to get more women involved in gaming and technology. Uh, I've yeah. still got the Voxels going on, and I've still got my She Builds Games website going on. Okay. So. Uh, SheBuildsGames.com, I actually just went through the process of migrating it from WordPress to Azure using Project Nami, which works very well. And so SheBuildsGames is kind of trying to get it from WordPress onto hosting it on Azure. But that's where I do interviews with very awesome women game developers about highlighting their strengths and what their experiences in the video game industry. And here in Chicago, we've got Voxel's Women in Game Development. So okay. drop us a line on Meetup or try to um, send us a, an invitation on Facebook or on Twitter if you're interested in learning more about that.
0: So are they independent developers, professional, or is there a mix? Does it matter? All kinds. Okay. It is
2: a rich tapestry.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Really cool stuff that you're doing there. Thank you. Okay, Carl, what do you have for the Azure Pick of the Week?
1: So this has been around for a while, and I've just never found out about it. Yep. Uh, resources.azure.com. If mm-hmm. you are logged in, you can see, have access to everything that's in your subscriptions. You can see all your subscriptions. You can really just dig down into it. And what's cool about this, too, is you can uh, edit it and save it back. So how I found about this is I was working with IoT Hub and trying to send files through IoT Hub, uh, but it kept throwing exceptions because it wasn't configured correctly. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that the portal wasn't actually uh, saving the connection string properly in, in the ARM template. So using this, I was able to see that. And then actually add, manually add it and save it back. And then everything was working again. So this was an awesome tool to help uh, investigate and
0: troubleshoot what I was doing. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this. This is pretty cool. <laughs> okay, and then you have like, you know, three hours of dev tips here. So yeah, um,
1: the first <laughs> one is a, a, a key combo for VS Code. But before we go there, it actually conflicts with most people's computers, because they have an Intel driver Mm -hmm. that's added that will flip your screen. If you hit control alt plus any of the arrow keys, it'll flip your screen. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the dev tip tip section of the show notes, we'll uh, take you to a a page that'll show you how to disable the Intel one. Mm -hmm. So you can uh, add multi, you can edit on multi lines in VS code. Uh, So I do the show notes and a lot of times I'll need to like, do some formatting that it's the same on many lines. So you can hit control alt and then up and down uh, to add more cursors. And then I can edit all the lines at once. It is super useful.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
1: That is, that is such a cool feature. It is. Uh, so the next one, I think you actually added, we love portable battery packs here, especially the bigger ones that can uh, essentially power your tablet even. Mm-hmm. And you found one, Jason, that's
0: 35,000 no, milliamp hours. I didn't find this one. It was on our Slack <laughs> no? channel though. So I don't, Oh. Uh, yeah. So
1: somebody, somebody <laughs> we know, sent this to us. Um, it uh, does five ports, and it claims to even charge a Surface Pro 3 and Surface Pro yeah. 4, and even a MacBook. So, um, I, I, I want to see that before i claim that's awesome but i still love the battery packs because so I, I i carry two i carry yeah. two battery packs that total twenty four thousand milliamp hours with me okay
0: yeah i have the anchor one that's sixteen thousand. which so the yep. way that i pick that one is i actually put the milliamp hours into a spreadsheet of all the different anchor products along with their weight and that one actually has the best weight to power ratio <laughs> the uh, other, but it'll charge the other thing that's
1: nice about that one yeah. is it has the smart uh charging yep. on both parts at the same time yep. so you can this one does too, fast yeah. charge you can fast charge
0: multiple devices yep mine does that as well um so one thing that frustrates me though, and I don't know why I really didn't look at it too much earlier, but they, they always talk about the, the amperage, but they don't mention the voltage. And I, you know, you say, oh, well it's USB, so it's five volts, but I think they're actually talking about the, the voltage of the battery. Because what I was curious about is like, this thing is so big that it's getting, to, it's getting to the point where, you know, are you allowed to take it on a plane? Because a plane uh, in the U.S. it has to be um, under a hundred watt hours. Um, so I think this thing, I did the math on it is like 60 watt hours approximately, or somebody mentioned in the comments, um, uh, in, in one of the reviews. And then I was able to reverse engineer what the, what the, what the voltage was. And it was some oddball voltage. So, um uh, I, I would just watch out for that. Um, If you're going to buy one of these things, I don't think everybody's rating them in the same voltage. So just because it has a bigger number doesn't mean that it's uh, that it actually has more capacity Uh, because the, you know, basically to get watts or watt hours, you end up uh, multiplying the amperage times the the amps times the volts. Um, And if you want to get the watt hours, it's it has to be the the amp hours times the uh, uh, times the volts. So in this case, it's thirty five thousand milliamp hours. So that'd be thirty five amp hours and then i can't remember what the what the voltage was but anyway long story short is um uh, I, I'm wondering if they actually rate these things or if they have different voltages and that everybody's kind of being marketed and lied to. So, but either way, this thing is gigantic. Yeah. Um, it's two thirds of, of the, too. Uh, yeah, it's two thirds of the size of what you're allowed on the plane. Ugh. Uh, let's put it, put it in perspective. My electric skateboard has a 99 watt hour battery and this thing is two thirds of that. Um, and that thing propel, you know, I'm, I'm pretty heavy. It, it transports me at 22 miles an hour for, you know, over four miles. So just to give you an idea of the amount of power that they're packing into this thing, that's uh, kind of scary. Anyway, so I, yeah, I'll go ahead. Yeah.
2: I, I play, uh, I play a game on my phone. That's uh, it used to be a pretty battery draining game. Yeah. Uh, you guys play any Pokemon go in your family?
0: No, oh, yeah, I had it on there for My, like my
1: kids used to bring a battery pack with them to go yeah, out and yeah. play. Yeah.
2: yeah. I just wanted to say that somebody like 3d printed a battery charger phone case that looks like the Pokedex from the show.
0: (laughs) That's cool. So... I'm just wondering, I bet you that game sold more battery packs than probably were produced in, in all of history up <laughs> until the point. Seriously, because, I mean, uh, yeah, I'd walk around like I was down in uh, Bellevue Square Park um, here in Washington. Oh, that's a good place. The yeah. hunting's good there. Oh, my God. There's hun- there's hundreds of people there. I have a video of like this wave of people moving back and forth. And so many of them, you see the cord coming out of their pocket in their phone. And, I, you know, my first reaction was like, how do you even know that these things exist? Because they... Uh, I don't know. It just seemed like kind of a geeky thing to me. Um, I guess they're, they've started going mainstream, but I, I suspect that Pokemon Go, I, if you looked at a chart, I bet you there was a huge spike and uh, in selling those batteries and just people being aware that those things even exist.
2: Probably. I yeah. already had like five portable well, batteries. Well, you're geeky <laughs> though. So you,
0: you don't you don't count in my sample size. <laughs>
2: no, they they give them to me. They just yeah. throw them at
0: me. Oh, that's the thing too. Yeah, like tech conferences, they're they're all over. Yeah. Yep. Those so those are generally like 1200 milliamp hours just to kind of put it in perspective they have a horrible weight to power ratio so if anybody anyway listening but they're cheap yeah if anybody listening is carrying like four of those things like um you can get a way bigger one for less than the total combined weight uh just so you're aware
1: All right, so this last tip of the week is kind of a bonus for me being at the MVP Summit. Mm -hmm. So previously, we had gotten a key combo uh, from Matthias Huckstra. And I was talking to him, thanking him for that. And I was also uh, talking to Rich Turner, uh, somebody who was a guest on as well, uh, for our Bash episode. And they actually informed me of one that is actually apparently a pretty commonly known keyboard shortcut within Microsoft. And it's how to give yourself a blue screen. From your keyboard, oh. so there'll be a link in the show. Uh, it's actually you hold down the right so if you control the link. <laughs> so don't, so don't do this right now. Um, no. You do have you do have to enable it with a registry key, but it might be already enabled. So uh,
0: oh, this don't do is this. like a, this is like totally intentional. It'll
1: it'll it'll intentionally give you a blue screen. So uh, you hold down the controls key and then the scroll lock twice. And in this uh, instructions, you can it actually tells you how to like modify what that is, but it actually has a purpose. Uh, the reason why so many Microsoft employees know about it is because they're running all these new builds that nobody else has, and a lot of times they get into all these wonky states. Mm-hmm. And what will happen is when you give yourself a blue screen using this, it'll actually save out a crash dump at the same uh, time. Yeah. So they're collecting information on why the system is being unstable at the moment. Yeah. So if you're in that similar scenario where you think a crash dump would be Useful, or you just want to play a prank on your uh, uh, somebody who left their uh, computer unlocked,
0: uh, (laughs) enable this and give it a try. Carl, we would never do that to anybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We've never, we've never done that. We've never hooked up a a mouse in a different cubicle to somebody else's computer just to mess with them. (laughs) Of course not. Okay, Sarah, pick a number between one and four inclusive.
2: Three. Yes, you
0: picked the best one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I pre read some of these. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather have a working TV put on your forehead, which actually sounds pretty useful, or have a working telephone put on your back? Can now I one, reach it? Uh, I don't know. And I don't know if it's a smartphone. It says telephone. So I don't know if it's rotary or touch tone. You know, the, 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 the there's no detail here. It's that's all that's, I got. That's
2: hard. I don't really want people staring at my forehead like trying to get the news or something and if i if i look at it
0: in the mirror that would be distracting <laughs> you're talking to you and it's like are you listening to me or are you watching tv again
2: <laughs> yeah that sounds terrible because i i don't like it when people stare at me when i'm not doing something like up on stage
0: you just turn it off
2: <laughs> but, but then i still have a big black square in my forehead well it seems uh, useful
0: though like I don't know. In, in what, like, is it going to be outdated? You know, is it like, is it like 480p or something? I mean, then come on.
2: <laughs> what would you use it for?
0: Oh, I think it sounds pretty useless. Okay, well, maybe upon thinking about it, it is useless. <laughs> I At don't know. It's just, I, I guess, could it maybe I could? Oh, you know what? Okay, I got it figured out. So here's okay. what I can do. Well, first of all, like, uh, wear the imports, <laughs> but yeah, in, <laughs> uh, don't answer that. The um, could I could I wear some, some glasses that have like a mirror in them so I could watch the screen because that could it, be pretty handy, and then yeah, also, yeah, but it'd be backwards for you. Well, no, the glasses would take care of that somehow. No. Well, I could just, on the input stream, I could flip it. Okay. I guess it says TV. So, I don't know. Like... Because the, the concern, it's always a technological concern. Because is the thing HD ready? I mean, if it's not, then <laughs> it's it's just going to be static on your head. So, sure, in that case, if if this thing is like always like the latest and greatest in TV technology, and I I could use it somehow, then I would pick that one.
2: I uh, just because of my personality and how shy I am, I think that that would like give me terrible terrible feelings as I walk around in my life and people are s- staring at my head
0: when I don't want them to. Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe what you could do is like for the screensaver, it could be like a forehead screensaver. Yeah, <laughs> put it on the
2: the forehead channel.
0: <laughs> yeah, the forehead channel.
2: Make it look like my forehead. So okay, yeah. so or my other option is a telephone in my back, which yes. I suppose I could cover with a a backpack. Well,
0: it'd like. still be yeah, there'd be yeah. I mean, there'd be like a that would be there.
1: really uncomfortable though.
0: Yeah, well, you you want like a whole backpack? Yeah, well, oh, that yeah. affects your sleep too. And does it get free calls? I like. I hope so. International as well?
2: <laughs> I hope so. I mean, this thing better be worth it. <laughs> we
0: need to write to the, the whoever created this game and get some yeah, clarification on this one. I agree with but you. But based on the information available, which one are you going to pick?
2: I think I'm going to have to go with um, Telephone Backpack.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: And uh, I, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know what kind of phone it would be, but- I guess I'd never have an excuse for missing a call
0: ever again. Well, I, actually, if we're going to assume that we have like an up to date TV, I guess we could assume that it's an up to date phone. So you know, thinner phones would be better, <laughs> right? Um, waterproof would yeah, obviously yeah has to be, be waterproof. Yeah, if I would be it would be a plus. Um, a headphone jack would be useful. Uh. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I I don't know if I expressed on the show how annoying. So I didn't. I actually thought it wouldn't be that annoying not having a headphone jack. It is so annoying, and it's because of the situations that come up. I got on a plane the other day. I put on these headphones, these nice big headphones, and I have the cable there. And the in-flight entertainment, for whatever reason, eighty percent of the time they don't turn it on until you get it ten thousand feet, which makes no sense. There's no actual reason for that. Usually they do turn it on. But anyway, I'm like, oh, I'll listen to some music. So I literally pick up my phone with no headphone jack and I picked I mean like I, I i literally like tried to jam it in there until my brain said there's no headphone jack here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just sitting there like oh and then I didn't I didn't it wasn't worth it for me to get the adapter out of my bag so I just sat there with headphones on and my phone in my hand until the in-flight entertainment turned on but
2: oh, fir- first
0: world problems for sure. <laughs> okay Carl pick a number. I'll pick number two. Number two. Okay would you rather walk barefoot over prickly leaves or over live roaches? Uh, prickly leaves. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's not
2: even a contest.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because even though they're prickly, like how bad could that be? Yeah. Compared to roaches, maybe if they were like uh, uh, rose stems or whatever.
1: Oh, and especially if they were like Florida cockroaches, because those things are really well giant nasty. Yeah,
0: I mean, you you wouldn't even have to walk; you just ride. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Sarah. Oh, go ahead. What
2: I have, I have two things I'd like to mention before we go. Go ahead. Um, Do you guys know about if you go to one of your um, hosted Azure Websites.net projects in your Azure subscription, if you type in SCM, in the URL,
0: you can do debugging tools. Yeah, there's lots of magic in there, actually. There's a console, okay. which the guy yeah. I was talking to, that, that blew his mind. He's like, there's a console here?
2: I know. He was so, so I just yeah. wanted to make sure you two knew about that.
0: So actually, the that used to be like a, a kind of a secret tip. But I noticed today when I was looking in the portal, they have exposed um, not only a link to that for your site, but they've also directly exposed things like the console. So it used to be like the secret thing. It was like all the awesomeness was secret. Well, the the awesomeness is public now.
2: Okay, but it's it's so awesome that it should be public. Yeah, and um, we were also talking about Visual Studio Code and that and Git, and that reminded me that there is a nice way to preview Markdown syntax, which yep. is what all the README files are written in on GitHub. So if you go into Visual Studio Code, you um, like split screen your view, and then if you save your file as a .md, which is short for Markdown, then you can have a preview mode in one mm-hmm. half of your Visual Studio Code. So you can actually like live preview what you're typing.
0: Yep, and that's how I do the show notes every week. Yep, perfect. It's very cool. It is the best Markdown editor. So if anybody, yes. does, even if even if you're not interested in VS Code, but if you're in Markdown, get VS Code for just for Markdown. It's tiny. Yeah. It installs quick. It's awesome for Markdown. Okay, Sarah, where where it looks like people can find you just about everywhere, but what uh <laughs> what's the best place for people to go if they wanna if they wanna find you?
2: Uh, you can go find me on Twitter at um, at sign S-A-E-L-I-A, Salia. Mm-hmm. You can find me on GitHub at capital S Sarah, capital S Sexton. So that's just Sarah Sexton, one word with capital S's. And you can go to aka.ms slash Sarah Sexton to check out my blog that I mentioned in the show. You could check out www.shebuildsgames.com. And you could find me on Facebook if you want to chat with me instead of trying to get yourself into my mountain of email. Uh, I, I don't recommend the mountain of email.
0: Seriously. Don't <laughs> I, I have given up on email. Email's dead to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could do that.
1: So is that the real reason why Microsoft made teams is because they got, it's just, everybody gets too much email. Yes. I
2: maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. We I, to just know. cut ties and start something new. No, I don't know if it, it, it is like, I think, I think it. I've never had so much email as that Microsoft did. So I think there's lots of people that get lots of email, but Microsoft just takes it to a whole nother level. And then there's distribution lists. And I literally have, I, I am worried about breaking exchange with how many rules I have. <laughs>
2: oh yeah. Um,
0: when I save a rule now, it's like Outlook. Uh, yeah, I, I can go get a cup of coffee and come back. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh, because that loading bar like takes just so long to get across yeah. the screen. And actually,
0: now that I think about it, I think that's why, Well, no, I think most of them are server rules. I was going to say, like, my my email comes through to my phone way faster, and it's probably Outlook is is trying to process some things.
2: Yeah, that's what happened to me today. Did I tell you guys about the time where I accidentally, for two days, had an email rule that said, for all emails, send straight to trash can. Oh, that's a good (laughs) idea. Apply immediately.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I love that.
2: I deleted all my emails for two days.
0: (laughs) So that was probably the happiest happiest you ever were, though, I'm guessing.
2: Until I got confused that I wasn't hearing back from people that I needed to hear from.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I guess that's the downside. Okay, so Carl, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. Okay. You can find me at whitey.com or on Twitter at twitter.com slash so So th- Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, anytime that you want to come back, you are always welcome because you always have cool stuff to talk about. We always love hearing from you.
2: Oh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. I hope to be back soon.